Good morning and welcome to Green Tea Conversations, the radio show that delves into the pages of Natural Awakenings magazine and brings you the local experts who share their progressive ideas and the latest information and insights needed so you can lead your best life. I'm your host, Candy Bravo, publisher of the Twin Cities edition of Natural Awakenings magazine, and I am honored to bring these experts to you. Today in our studio, we welcome Melissa Cathcart of Dynamic Functional Healing in Minneapolis. Welcome to the show, Melissa. Thank you, Candy. Thank you for, so much for having me. Well, we're very glad to have you with us today, and I always like to ask people to go ahead and introduce themselves, kind of share with us what your journey is, what it was that brought you into natural health. So my interest in acupuncture in general probably goes back to when I was about 12 years old. I was interested in anatomy and physiology, but I was also interested in absolutely everything Chinese. And in college, I took international relations for my major And there were five or seven different pathways you could choose to complete that degree. And I chose East Asia and took Chinese as my language. I still didn't understand that I would end up becoming an acupuncturist. (laughs) But my first exposure to acupuncture was in China when I had food poisoning. And I used herbal medicine there as well. When I came back and graduated, I found that I didn't really know what to do with my degree. I kept going by uh, the storefront on Chicago Avenue that was the old uh, acupuncture school years ago. And I stopped in, just happened to be passing by during an open house and spoke to the people running the school. And they said it was a three-year program. And I thought, oh God, I am not ready to sign up for a three-year program. It's too much. (laughs) But the next year I was riding by on my motorcycle and I stopped in, happened to be another open house. And they said, well, now it's a four-year program. And I said, oh God, sign me up before it gets any longer. (laughs) So uh, Uh, that was the beginning of my acupuncture training. And uh, when when I first graduated, I was a general practitioner although I knew that I had an interest in the abdomen and pelvic floor because I had a number of years working as a home birth midwife previously. Oh, interesting. But my acupuncture, I was in acupuncture school from 95 to 2000. Okay. So you did that actually after you had already been a midwife. Correct. And then started that. So when did you start your business? Uh, 2001. It took me a number of years to realize that I wanted to introduce the manual therapies into my practice. And in 2003, I started studying three different manual therapies all at the same time. Carol, Dr. Carol Phillips' uh, biodynamic therapy, which is a combination of craniosacral therapy and myofascial Um, And I knew people who had been taking her courses, and she came highly, highly recommended. I signed up for her courses. I also signed up for, I started learning um, visceral manipulation. And I went into it really excited and not knowing 
anything about what it was, but I just knew the name sounded so fascinating and I wanted to be able to touch those organs. <laughs> so then, I think we're going to have to expand on this a little bit because I don't know what visceral manipulation is. Okay. And, and I think probably most of our listeners don't. So tell us a little bit about this. Yeah. So visceral manipulation is, it sounds like a heavy word, but it's a very gentle technique in actually um, making contact, physical contact with the organs and seeing how they move on their ligamentous attachments. And ligaments for organs are double or triple folds of fascia. And for an organ to function properly, it needs to move properly. So everything in our body is constantly moving, both in response to the natural rhythms of the heart, our breathing, peristalsis, but also in response to our movement and if something can't move properly, it, say it gets uh, a snag or it gets an adhesion, uh, that can end up over time affecting its function. Mm. And so visceral manipulation is a very gentle technique of, of um, making contact with that organ and just gently seeing if you can get it to move. And if it, if it has an adhesion or something that's preventing it from moving in one direction, then you encourage the movement in the opposite direction and then in the direction of ease. So that you're not fighting it. You're not trying to force anything. You're helping it to move in the direction it wants to. So that hopefully on the reverb, um, it will take a, a greater swing and have better movement. So give us an example of how you, uh, like a specific example of how you might use this with someone on a particular organ. Mm -hmm. So um, I've treated an alcoholic, a recovering alcoholic, who was terribly, terribly anxious over the condition of his liver, just really worried about the damage that he's done to his liver. And this was a technique that I could offer him that, uh, and I, I did other techniques with him too, abdominal massage, acupuncture, but this was a specific technique that I could offer him to not only treat his liver and try to get the best optimal functioning from it, but also to give him uh, an idea of what I felt his organ was doing. So he wanted immediate feedback. Is my organ moving? Is it, is it, does it, you know, are you feeling something with my organ? Does it feel okay? And in this way, I could relieve some of his anxiety by telling him what sort of movement I was feeling at that moment. I'm sorry. Is this something that you do from the outside of the body? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. So I'm placing my hand um, over his liver, I'm pressing in gently, and then with the outline of the organ in my hand, then I'm just moving it gently. It's a very, very small movement, and then finding w what what sort of um, recursion we get. And say that there was a tag or a snag, as you said, mm -hmm. that was kind of holding it. How long? typically would it take in order to help treat that? 
It's a very quick technique because again, it's gentle and we don't want to, we don't want to force anything. So uh, we only hold it for 30 seconds. You know, we are trying it for three cycles, four cycles of movement. So again, the body has that natural rhythm that it's following. Mm -hmm. And so we just follow the organ through three or four of those natural cycles um, not wanting to overwhelm the system. And so that's one of the manual techniques that you use along with, you said myofascial and craniosacral craniosacral as part of the biodynamic therapy. And the third one was the, the Chinatang abdominal massage, uh, which I started used for. Yeah, that, that is used for general health and for a lot of digestive and menstrual disorders. Really good for um, correcting menstruation and digestive issues. Um, most, if not, most of our hormones and neurotransmitters are made in our gut. We always connect them with the brain, right? We always think of them as happening in the brain, but most of them are produced in the gut. And so to have our gut really functioning well um, can improve mood, it can improve digestion, it can improve cognitive abilities. And abdominal massage, much like it sounds, is massaging the abdomen and the organs contained within it the benefits being much like a body massage. If you, anytime you squeeze tissue and release, you're hydrating that tissue. You are revitalizing that tissue. And in most massage, many people, many massage therapists never address the abdomen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was going to say I've had massage for years and um, I had never had anyone massage my abdomen until I went to a massage therapist who is from China. Ah. And I was like, so uh, almost put off by it. Cause, <laughs> cause as someone who's overweight, I didn't want anyone touching my stomach. But then when she, when she would explain to me why it's important to do it, it just made so much more sense. And then, and it really does help. It really does help on a, a number of different issues that you have. It does take some getting used to because it is the most vulnerable part of our body. And many of us don't even let our partners touch our tummies. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's also what makes it one of the most powerful areas on our body for accessing emotions and for getting really deep in treatments. Isn't that interesting? I, I, I love that you said it is the most vulnerable part of our body, which is really interesting when you think about it. But it's true. I mean, it, it's not something that you're used to having anyone really, you know, touching your stomach, even your doctor. Yes. Even when you go to regular yes. allopathic medicine. Mm-hmm. Well, we are going to head into a break right now. And when we come back, we're going to talk about another therapy that you provide uh, called pelvic floor rehabilitation. And that's what we're going to come back and, and discuss. So to learn more about the work Melissa does and to book an appointment, visit Dynamic Functional Healing or call 612 612- 
735-9993. You're listening to Green Tea Conversations on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, and we will be right back. Welcome back to Green Tea Conversations, where we delve into the pages of Natural Awakenings magazine and talk to the professionals who share their expertise on natural health with you. I'm your host, Candy Braffle, and today we're talking with Melissa Cathcart, owner of Dynamic Functional Healing in Minneapolis. So, Melissa, just before the break, you were starting to tell us about some of the services that you offer. And one of the services that you offer is something that we haven't talked about yet on this on this show. And it's not something that I think is talked about a lot um, or very often in just with our with our girlfriends. So I really wanted to introduce our listeners to this. And that is pelvic floor rehabilitation. Give us an idea of how you got started with this, how you became interested in pelvic floor rehabilitation. So I already had my background with the home birth midwifery. I was delving in, and I I had the Chinese medicine, and I was delving into all of these um, manual therapies. When in 2006, I had a motorcycle accident. It was a freak accident. There was no one else involved. I was actually at a safety training. (laughs) Oops. (laughs) Side story there. But um, it was a small accident with big repercussions. The bike was fine. It needed a mirror and a lever. I had seven pelvic fractures, five broken ribs, a hemothorax, which means blood in my lungs. I have an AC separation and I had a number of vertebral processes that snapped. Mm. So I was completely broken up. And in the healing process, I understood as I was going through it that this was something really amazing and special and that it was going to change my life. And I didn't know exactly how, but I knew that this was a really big deal for my life and in a positive way. I understood Mm. it to be positive as I was going through it. Well, nine months after the accident, I was completely healed up. I was back to work. I was functioning normally. I had gone through physical therapy. I was walking again. Nine months later, I started having urgency incontinence. And that's where you don't have any feeling that you need to go to the bathroom. But usually it's when you come home and you put your hand on your door handle um, all of a sudden you cannot control and you get a massive full body urge that you have to urinate and you can't make it to the bathroom. Mm. I, I had no idea about urge incontinence before experiencing it myself. And I found that my knowledge of Chinese medicine and midwifery left me with not enough tools to treat myself. Um, I was finding the Chinese medicine to be inadequate. I was finding the midwifery texts had never even mentioned incontinence, which just blows my mind now. Um, In the midwifery texts, they they teach how to catheterize someone after birth if needed. And they talk about kidney stones or bladder infections, but that's the extent of the urinary system. In Chinese medicine, it's all about kidney and bladder 
kidney stones and bladder infections. Um, there's a little bit about incontinence, but it's really not talked about and, and we don't delve into to it in any depth. So it's really finding myself not having the tools needed. And I was really not understanding why that happened because so I knew intuitively that so many people experience this problem. How is it possible to have a full system of medicine studied and not have studied this problem? Yes. And, you know, you and I had talked about this before the show, and, and it really is something I had never heard of until I was well into my 40s. And I had uh, some girlfriends who were in their 50s and 60s or moving into their 60s who kind of started talking about this very quietly. I, I, I had worked in a place and there was actually, I think, four women at one time who were all going through this at the same time. And I started asking them questions about it because I had never even heard of it. I take mm-hmm. care of people for a living. <laughs> right. I take right. care of people for yeah. a long time, for 30 years, and I didn't know about it. So, mm-hmm. so this may have come on for you because of the accident. But what about other people? Is that typically what happens? Is there's been an accident or some kind of trauma? It's all over the board. I'd say typically childbearing and and the mismanagement of childbearing by practitioners is a huge cause. Um, disease processes, you know, Parkinson's and, and MS um, are often a, a disease process that will have incontinence as a symptom. Um, there can be nerve damage from any number of traumas. Um, so a lot of different, a lot of different things can contribute. I can't tell you the number of women who have come to me either as a practitioner or through my classes that who have been told by physicians medical doctors that they're aging and they just need to deal with it. Like this is normal for an aging woman. And while, while there are certainly changes within the urinary system and that are normal to aging and while hormonal changes will definitely affect the urinary system, it is by no means normal for an aging woman to be incontinent. Mm-hmm. and should never be dismissed out of hand. It should always be taken seriously and treated um, with the utmost care. And so one of the services that you offer at your clinic is actually the pelvic floor rehabilitation. We have a, about a minute and a half left before we have to go into break, mm-hmm. but let's start by talking about what that is. What, what would people expect to have happen when they come to you? So I combine everything. I combine the acupuncture, the manual therapies, and the rehab. And the rehab is the corrective exercise and uh, home, lifestyle homework or exercise homework that I send people home with. So it mimics physical therapy only with a wider variety of therapies. Actually, the the pelvic floor rehab is a physical therapy subspecialty. So there are physical therapists who are specialists in pelvic floor work. 
I tend to get people who went through that and maybe got some results, but not what they wanted because I have a wider variety of services to offer. Um, so someone comes in, they'll, they'll ex for pelvic floor rehab, they will have acupuncture. Unless they're afraid of needles, I can treat without needles. They will have uh, manual therapies, and then they'll be sent home having learned some exercises and some changes in lifestyle. So when we come back, we're going to go into a break now, but when we come back, let's talk a little bit more about that, about what those therapies might look like. Sounds good. All right. So for people who want to learn more about the work Melissa does and to book an appointment, visit dynamicfunctionalhealing.com or call 612-735-9993. To read the online version of Natural Awakenings magazine, visit naturaltwincities.com. You can find a podcast of this show on am950radio.com, on Apple and Google Podcasts, and anywhere you get your podcasts. You're listening to Green Tea Conversations on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, and we will be right back. Welcome back to Green Tea Conversations, where we delve into the pages of Natural Awakenings magazine and talk to the professionals who share their expertise on natural health with you. I'm your host, Candy Brothel, and today we're visiting with Melissa Cathcart, owner and practitioner of Dynamic Functional Healing in Minneapolis. So, Melissa, just before the break, <clears throat> you were explaining to us about um, a technique that you help, uh, in particular, women with called pelvic floor rehabilitation. And you had kind of briefly mentioned that there are some exercises that you send people home with. So I'm hoping you can kind of give us an idea of what some of those exercises might look like. When I first was interested in pelvic floor rehab, I had gone through physical therapy myself very successfully, and I wanted to have more offerings for my patients. So I studied for two and a half years, really hit the books, developed my own physical therapy library, and developed a practitioner course that I was a, I developed a nine hour pre-conference workshop that I took to a national conference on midwifery out on the West coast. Uh, but I thought you don't spend two and a half years to do something once. So I certified <laughs> it with a number of different agencies and I offered continuing education classes to massage therapists, doulas, midwives, and acupuncturists here in the cities. And then I thought I really wanted to get the information to patients. So I condensed it down to a two-hour class and started teaching it throughout town at yoga centers, Cairo centers, um, uh, community education. Two hours was not enough, and now it's a three-hour class. Eventually, I ended up certifying in corrective exercise, and that became part of the class. And I'm constantly, constantly learning. So the class is constantly evolving. And I, I have learned breathing techniques and many, many things that I pass on to my patients. So with the pelvic floor rehab, the exercise component is very slow, deliberate, and not 
few repetitions of exercises. When people think of exercise, we usually think of building up strength. But with rehab, it's not about strength. It's about neuromuscular coordination. We want muscle groups to work together in ways that allow optimal functioning. And what can happen in, when there's a pelvic floor issue is that the larger muscles of the thighs and the buttocks or the hips um, can tend to give too much information to the pelvic floor. So there's always electrical information flowing back and forth between different muscle groups. And we want that to happen mm -hmm. because that's the way they communicate. Okay, now I'm here in space. Now I'm doing this. Oops, I've moved over here. And so we want that communication to happen. But the thighs and the hips are so large, they can end up uh, overwhelming the small muscles of the pelvic floor. And so these exercises are designed to re-educate the muscle groups to communicate in a way that's functional for them. Interesting. And I assume it is exercises that almost anyone could do. Absolutely. Yeah. And they, and they can be designed. They, there's ways of um, modulating them so that if someone has difficulty getting on the floor, well, we'll find one that can be done in a chair. Okay. Or if someone has difficulty raising their hips off the floor, well, let's, let's work on this exercise in another way. So what you're doing is really, it's something that people can look at if this has already happened, but it's also a preventative therapy. Correct. That I yes. mean, ultimately you would like to do it as a preventative rather than a restorative. Absolutely. Um, that they could come to you with. It's really interesting because I know a couple of the of the women that I had said before, uh, a few of them had gone through it at a place that I had worked with. A couple of them actually had to have surgery. And so is that something that you see often? So if, if they're having surgery, I'm thinking that would be a prolapse. Yes. Where yes. they tacked up the bladder on the abdominal wall, maybe with mesh. Yes, correct. <clears throat> those, those surgeries have been very popular um, with doctors over the last decade or two. Um, one of my resources when I was doing, I'm always doing research, but one of my original resources was a surgeon up in Canada who is a reconstructive bladder surgeon. And she said she made her living on these bladder tacks because they only last three to five years. Oh and if they, and every three to five years, they need to be redone. So eventually a number of them would find their way to her and she would find the ligamentous tear that caused the prolapse. And she would, reconstruct that. And that lasts forever in most patients. So if you can find, I don't know yet a surgeon here. Uh, if anyone knows of one who does that, let me know. <laughs> but what I, what I do with those patients is, uh, particularly prolapse, is that I teach them how to breathe. I teach a particular breathing technique. It's not an exercise. It's not like it is an exercise. It's not, it, it's not a something that you're going to be doing throughout your day as you, it's not like I'm teaching you how to breathe through your day. It's actually an exercise that you use 
to even out the, the um, thoracopelvic pressure. So we all have pressure inside our bodies. Mm -hmm. If you were, I, I tell my patients, if you were to slice open your tummy, your organs would come out, not because of gravity, but because of the pressure inside you is so much higher than the pressure outside of us. And once we get past the ew factor of that, um, <laughs> then there's the curiosity of, well, why is that? And how does that work? Well, as we're going through our day, the pressure is always changing depending on the demand. So some things we do through our day demands more internal pressure than other things. And if we have a task at hand that's too hard for us, one way that we can garner added strength that we don't really have is to hold our breath. Mm. And if we're, we do that over time, it increases the internal thoracopelvic pressure. Um, and if that continues to, to increase over time, eventually that pres pressure will have to leak out somewhere. And that's when people tend to get the hernias and the prolapses. And as women, we're more prone to the prolapses because of the vaginal um, opening vaginal opening in the pelvic floor. It, it, it always astonishes me, even more so for some reason, 2020 has all been about the breath. And I mm. think we're really moving into a time when we understand, when we begin to understand how important our breathing is. Mm. Yes. Um, I, that's probably kind of out there a little bit thinking about, but, you know, you look at, at COVID, you look at the fires that have taken place. You look at, you know, George Floyd and the murder uh, of yes. him and, you know, I can't breathe. All of yes, this and with so the much high anxiety. Thank you, Candy. You're just making some wonderful connections. And with the, the higher anxiety of our times now, it's very easy for people to get into the shallow breathing, mm -hmm. which accompanies anxiety. Which and we have, that, though, for decades. Yes. I mean, for decades, we've gone into this space of, of shallow breathing. Correct. And... It's very, and over time, especially long-term, that can't not, it cannot not affect. <laughs> so it will affect our internal pressures over time. Mm -hmm. And for people who end up having too low of an internal pressure, those people are actually more susceptible to disc herniations because their spine is not properly supported. And those of us who have the higher internal pressures we're more susceptible to the hernias and the prolapses. So both, but there is a sweet range. There's, this, there's a, a sweet range within which we, we would hopefully keep that pressure. And this breathing exercise that's taught by the Postural Restoration Institute uh, helps to keep our internal pressure within that sweet range. And that is something that you teach then at the clinic as well. Yes. Mm -hmm. And on occasion, I teach it as a workshop or community education class. So be on the lookout for that. Yes, I know. Just before, before we got started here today, you were saying that there are some classes that you've done um, in person that you haven't done for the last several, almost 18 months. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, and one of those is the bladder and pelvic floor class. 
Yes, I have a three-hour class called Bladder and Pelvic Floor Health. It is always evolving as my knowledge and skills evolve. Uh, The purpose of the class is to teach people how to maintain their own health throughout their life cycle uh, as best they can, to maintain the health of their children or grandchildren as best they can, and to let them know what sorts of interventions or help is out there. Not only my own, but in in the physical therapy world, in the medical world, what sorts of things are out there that might help you. Uh, So it's a huge amount of information. Um, We do an exercise. Uh, I've developed a small exercise routine that I feel is fairly well balanced Uh, for the various muscles that end up affecting the pelvic floor. I do teach the breathing technique in that class. Uh, And it's just a wealth of information and empowerment. I think the one comment I hear most often when women are leaving the class um, is that they feel empowered. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, I don't, I, I have, I've rarely closed off the class to men. So I have had a few men in the class. Um, but primarily it it attracts women. Well, I'm sure it'll be helpful for either or. Yes. For both men and women. So for people who are interested in that, I'm going to suggest because right now you don't have anything uh, scheduled yet because we're not getting together yet, but to keep an eye out in natural awakenings, we will definitely do a news brief on that when you're ready to offer a class and let people know. I'm so Um, looking forward to it. (laughs) Yes. Yes. It's one of Um, those classes that just feeds the soul. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, And you can also learn about it when Melissa does schedule it, it will be on her website as well. So to learn more about the work that Melissa does and to book the appointment, visit dynamicfunctionalhealing.com or call 612-735-9993. You're listening to Green Tea Conversations on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, and we will be right back. Welcome back to Green Tea Conversations. I'm your host, Candy Brothel, and today we're talking with Melissa Cathcart, owner and practitioner at Dynamic Functional Healing in Minneapolis. So, Melissa, before the break, we have been talking about some of the different services that you offer. And um, before we have to end this interview, I really want to give you a chance to talk about something that you offer that is think not something that a lot of people have also heard about, and that is the micro-needling and the nano-needling. Yes, uh, this is a recent endeavor for me just in the last year, and I initially became interested in it because I knew it could be used for scars, and I'm always looking for more things to deal with scar tissues because one of the nasty things about scars is sometimes they don't get the message. They're, they're wonderful and we need them, but sometimes they don't get the message to turn off and they can keep growing and send tendrils out to other organs or organelles and uh, pull on them and tug and can, can give people either pain or dysfunction. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm always looking for, 
for new ways to deal with scars and scar tissue. And so I took a class, became even more fascinated with it. So micro and nano needling are typically used for cosmetics, uh, for evening out those wrinkles, for plumping up the tissues, for getting a more youthful look, but also used for scar tissue and also used for acne scarring. And it's the go-to treatment for hair loss. So it actually outperforms, many studies to show this, that it outperforms Rogaine and the other more popular treatments. Um, what's wonderful about this therapy too is that the results last for five years. You get, you really get a bang for your buck with this therapy. So tell us about it. What is it? You say microneedling and nanoneedling, but what is? Yeah, wh- <laughs> what does happens? it work? <laughs> <laughs> so there's a device, and there's a needle head that goes in the device. For the microneedling, it's twelve little needles that are long enough that they penetrate the skin into the dermis. Now I say long enough, but they're still very tiny, tiny needles. Um, So they're just going in through the superficial skin. Um, But that layer of skin responds very nicely to serums and to the hyaluronic acid uh, that will help to bring collagen and elastin to the area to plump up the skin. Hyaluronic acid can hold a thousand times its weight in fluid, so it will attract oh. fluid to the area and keep the tissue plump and, and hydrated. Um, the nano needling is an even smaller needle, and it only goes through the epidermis. It goes into the epidermis of the skin, so s- super, super superficial. Um, but the same sorts of serums can be used with that treatment. And the device is oscillating these needles into the tissue at 18,000 RPM. So how do you use it with the hair loss? The hair loss is microneedling because you have to get deep enough, enough into the dermis to stimulate the hair follicles. Hair follicles are in the dermis of the skin. Uh, so it's literally taking this this device and uh, using it across the scalp. And do you use serums with that as well? Uh, not with the hair loss. Okay. So tell us about the serums that you use uh, for the different treatments that you do. So the big gun is the Apstem. And that's an extract of a Swiss apple that was determined to actually interact with and support human cells. Mm. I I believe they found this by accident, Um, but this, the apple stem cells affect human cells. And I am going to, I know I'm going to do a terrible job of my German here, but the apple is the Utwiller Schwattlauber. (laughs) Uh, so it's a rather I won't rare try to repeat that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a rare Swiss apple and somehow they happened to figure this out that it that it interacted with and supported human cells. So that's my big gun. And then I have about six other serums that have been shown to target either elastin or collagen. Um, some are better on thinner tissues. Some tonify kidney chi and jing. So these are all Chinese herbs. And then I have one serum um, 
I have some serums that I made up myself with Chinese herbs. So I send people home with those after the therapy. One is a facial serum. One is specifically for the acne. And then I have a hair restoration serum. So while, while with the hair restoration, we don't use a serum during the treatment, I send them home with a serum that they can use uh, post-treatment. Oh, that is so interesting. So when you say that the, um, that the needling can be done for acne scarring, is it used to treat acne or just after? Does that make sense? So <laughs> it's a little bit tricky. Technically, it's not used to treat an, an active acne. Okay. However, because the, the, in Chinese medicine, when you're needling, that's releasing, potentially releasing heat. And because this serum, the acne serum releases heat, I can treat acne around the edges of the active area. Okay. Does that make sense? Am I explaining that well? So I can't yes. go in the areas where there's acne, but I can go around those areas and those serums and the, the needling should effectively release the heat that's um, causing the, the acne. Wow. And by heat, I'm talking about heat with a big H, Chinese medical heat, not like regular heat. So uh, for, people can also go to your website and you have quite a few before and after photos on your website that show yes. uh, the results of the needling. That's very interesting. So I highly recommend people do that. Uh, the other thing, we only have a few seconds left, but I want you to kind of tell people a little bit about a new online program that you're working on that you hope to be able to introduce us to very soon called the Online Sleep Clinic. Yes, I have been studying sleep with a physical therapy platform. Um, I'm learning to assess and treat sleep. I'm trained on the Pittsburgh scale and uh, sleep diaries. And I'm hoping to come up with a short but effective program um, whereby people can send in their, their questionnaire and their sleep diary to have it evaluated by me and have maybe a four or six week program where I give a brief presentation on maybe sleep hygiene or sleep efficiency or sleep drive. So it's still, I'm still formulating it, but um, I'm, I'm wanting to have something that is short and effective, affordable, where people can, can improve their sleep because sleep is the foundation of health. So important to our health and something that we, so many of us lack. So thank you for taking that on. And we look forward to learning about it when you have it ready to go. Thank you for being with us today, Melissa. We really appreciate it. And for people who want to learn more about what Melissa does and to book an appointment with her, visit dynamicfunctionalhealing.com. You have been listening to Green Tea Conversations on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, and I am wishing for you a lovely day. Lovely day, lovely day, lovely day, lovely day, lovely day, lovely day.